This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? Are you spending money on leads that aren't converting? Well, Real Geeks is your solution. Find out why agents across the country choose Real Geeks as their technology partner. Real Geeks was created by an agent for agents. They pride themselves on delivering a sales and marketing solution so that you can easily generate more business. Their agent websites are fast and built for lead conversion with a smooth search experience for your visitors. Real Geeks also includes an easy-to-use agent CRM, so once a lead signs up on your website, you can track their interest and have great follow-up conversations. Real Geeks is loaded with a ton of marketing tools to nurture your leads and increase brand awareness. Visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod and find out why realtors come to Real Geeks to generate more business. Again, visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod. And now, on to our show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I'm your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with New York City top producer, Jake Thomas. Before we get to Jake, just a couple of quick announcements. First, thank you. We are so appreciative. The entire team here at the podcast, Zana, myself, and all of the wonderful guests we have, um, we just always want to say thank you. Our numbers continue to grow. And just to let peek back behind the curtain for a moment, there's about 1.6 or 1.7 million realtors out there and over 200,000 of them have listened to at least one episode of this show. So we are so grateful that you continue to spread the word and tell other agents about us. Please continue to do that. Just think of one other agent that really could benefit from hearing from top producers like Jake and send them a link to our website, which is keepingitrealpod.com. Every episode we've ever done can be streamed there. We also have links to all the major podcast apps there, so you can find us very easily right through keepingitrealpod.com. And last, please leave us a review. Whatever podcast app you might be listening to this show on, let us know what you think of the show. Leave us a review that helps us get more visibility in, in the different podcast directories. It also lets us know what, what we do well and what we could do to improve. But enough about us. Let's get to the main event, our interview with Jake Thomas. All right, today on the show, we have Jake Thomas from Compass in New York City. Uh, let me tell you about Jake. Uh, now, in any business and in any field, people are urged to read Sun Tzu's Art of War. I know I've read it, um, and a lot of our listeners, of course, are familiar with it as well. But this is a, a means to sort of grasp the competitive nature of every industry and learn the art of winning from start to finish. It's especially true for the real estate world in meccas like New York City, where competition is fierce and the stakes couldn't be higher. What happens, though, when your realtor is a Marine, a former professional athlete, an online personality and an off-Broadway actor. Well, you have our guest today, Jake Thomas. Jake's unique upbringing sets him apart in the, uh, the, the comparative residential real estate market of New York City. Now, Jake is a renaissance man and a unicorn of sorts in the industry, built on promises that are rarely met. Now, Jake's eureka moment came in the winter of 2017 when he was employed at the coveted Ralph Lauren, where he quickly realized that his desire to truly work with people just wasn't being met. So Jake moved over to the residential real estate, uh, first with Cooper and Cooper Real Estate in Manhattan, more, most recently over to Compass. And from the get-go, he's quickly learned the ins and outs of the business while thriving on a competitiveness in seeing clients' big city dreams match the business while thrive, I'm oh, sorry, the luxuries of their reality. Now, last year in Jake's absence and amongst the COVID-19 pandemic, um, Cooper and Cooper posted its highest sales figures in its 17 year history. And since his returning to that firm a month after month, all of the previous year's record setting numbers have been shattered. Jake's been a point man to this effort having already brokered and closed 60 transactions in 2021, leading the firm's monthly sales volume several times. Now, the mixture of both sales and rentals uh, sees Jake doing a deal 
This is incredible every four days. In fact, it's actually every 100 hours, 52 minutes and 53 seconds uh, to be exact. And we know that because he's that precise because, oh yeah, he's an, a Marine and an ex-professional athlete. So that's what he knows is precision and hard work, which makes sense uh, because of course he, that is his background. Um, please, this is my most favorite inner, uh, intro I've ever read. By the way, I'm so excited to have Jake uh, on our show. So please everyone, before before we get to us interview, I want you to follow Jake on Instagram. We're going to have a link to this in the show notes as well, but follow, find him on Instagram at life like Jake again, life like Jake, uh, Jake, welcome to the show. Um, how do you follow that DJ? I mean, it's, you're making me smile and laugh all at once. I, uh, I, I love working on the intros and I'm so grateful to have you because you have such a storied past. And I think there's probably not a coincidence between the discipline that it takes to be in the military, uh, also in to compete in professional uh, at, at you know sports, um, and then to take that sort of skill set into real estate. But I would love to find out how you, and also uh, being a Broadway actor, just constantly putting yourself, you know, an actor putting yourself out there, you know, auditioning, you know, getting roles, practicing, and performing. So it's it's so many skills that um, combined, I. I I could see how you would be a success in any field, but certainly real estate seems to seems to be a good fit for you. Um, but I'd like to start all the way at the beginning and find out how you got here. Um, do you mind telling us how you got started? Why why real estate? And and take us all the way back to the beginning. Yeah, I was um, you know like you talked about being at Ralph Lauren and that winter. I remember being up in the, the beautiful Madison Avenue office uh, that we had right up there near. Um, 59th street and looking down at all the ants running around on the street and it was a snowy day. And I just wasn't being fulfilled with my work or by my work at the time. Great company, great brand. I'm wearing it as we speak. Um, the culture, I grew up with that, what it exudes and what, you know, the brand really resonates. Um, my family's worn it. I've, I've always, it'll always be a part of it, but the work itself that I was doing at the time, just, wasn't bringing it home. And so I was looking out the window one day and I was like, man, that's where I need to be. It was just a really cool, like I said, you know, or like you said, Eureka moment where I said, I need to be on the street. I need to be where I can be more action oriented, influencing and affecting situations in person, not from afar, not from a terminal, not via a review of an audit or through data. I need to be, you know, my gift is, is giving and it's giving of myself. And it took me to be voided of that, to realize that that's where I needed to be. And so real estate happens to be the vessel. And it's, it's interesting though, because it is a extremely competitive market. Um, obviously in New York city, of course, uh, everything's competitive, but certainly real estate is as well. It's uh, just a crazy market because of the cost, the pricing, uh, the way that rentals are structured is very different from most cities, where oftentimes for our listeners who may or may not be familiar, oftentimes, and I don't, not in every case, but if you use a realtor, oftentimes you end up paying the realtor a commission if you're the tenant. Um, and in, in, like here in Chicago, it works the opposite where the, the landlord pays uh, the commission. So it is extremely challenging in New York, to, but everyone's got to live somewhere. And so I, I love the fact that you went from having this, you know, great sort of corporate job um, prior to a million years ago, when I first got into the, into the working world, I worked with Anheuser-Busch, which um, is another brand that, that uh, you know, despite of what people might think of, of their product, um, it is, it is sort of the king or, or was, uh, you know, the king. Uh, and so I, I really learned a lot about precision and, um, how every detail is important. And I I've learned as I've interviewed hundreds of, of realtors over the years here that, um, attention to detail is really important. Ralph Lauren is, is no stranger to that. Of course, um, every single person on, in this country knows that brand. And so I imagine you probably learned a lot of great, uh, just sort of practices and processes in addition to, uh, the other, you know, sort of backgrounds you've had in, in the military and, and professional sports. Um, but when, when you made that switch over from, you know, sort of the, the apparel world into, into real estate. Um, how did you start? Because to me, that would seem so daunting. Um, like, how do you find clients? How do you, how did you do that? So I'm just curious on, on how that transition was for you. 
Well, it was first having to sneak out of, and don't say anything to anybody, you know, having to leave work early from, from Ralph Lauren uh, to go to night school at the, uh, the New York Real Estate Institute to, to get licensed first, you know, so it was finding the time just to do that. And then, you know, walking into the classroom uh, one evening, the first evening, and I was, you know, suited and booted with company attire on and, sure. you know, real estate licenses were available to anyone above the age of 18. And you know, this DJ above the yeah. age of 18 and without uh, felonies on the records, no college degrees, no, not even um, high school diplomas are required. Right? Those are the minimum requirements, 18 years old and no felonies. Yeah. So there are a myriad of people from all walks of life, ages, and everything that come to those courses that take those courses. And I was, that was the first thing that I was you know, aghast to walking into that classroom and thinking, am I in the right place? <laughs> you know, I was like, he does not look like I do. She doesn't look like I do. They, none of those people look like I, I mean, I was like, I don't know. I mean, I'm in the right place. I was like, okay, just stay with it. Just stay with it. And then um, Jordan Cooper, one of the co-founders of Cooper and Cooper came in sure. and was guest lecturing um, and spoke just so warmly, so confidently. If you're this kind of a person, if you're looking for whatever, and you know, he preceded all that with, my name is Jordan Cooper. I'm a co-founder of Cooper and Cooper. I went to Harvard, I uh, studied economics. I worked at Goldman Sachs during this time. I worked on these deals, da, 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 da. And I was like, okay, you've got my attention yeah. with that, you know, those sure. facts. And then everything else about him just exuded, like I said, confidence and um, honesty, integrity, and in exceptional service, which ended up being the pillars of, of, of their firm. And those three things connected with me from the Marine Corps of, you know, our core values being honor, courage, and commitment. So there's a lot of similarities that I saw right away with him and with their firm to where it seemed like just that alone was enough to sway me. But thinking about the action oriented element of it, you know, being a competitor that I am sure. um, and being able to see like, okay, literally the difference being able to give someone what they want or need or are looking for can be determined by whether I can run faster on the street than, than a, you know, someone else, man, put me in that job, right? Like being able to be selfless and, and providing inimitable service to someone else against a competitor who might be a little lazy on the wheel or just doesn't have it in them that day, put me in that job. Right. Yeah. So I just started to find all these little edges to me that um, were more and more assets or more attributes or attractions, you know, like hearing the daunting 90% washout rate of first year agents in New York city, 90%. I was like, man, that's all me. Right. Like you know, it's a Marine thing or, you know, the running to gunfire kind of joke, but like, Hearing that immediately made me even just want it that much more. Yeah, it's, and it's also true. Like, so we have a there's a real estate school that that teaches out of out of one of our offices, and so I, I tend to see the students as they file in. and And you're right, there is it is a a wide berth of of different types of people who come to those classes. Some of them, you know, are just investors. They just want to save on commissions, and they're not going to do traditional realtor stuff. Then you have the more sort of people who look maybe more polished come from sort of that maybe corporate uh, world. And then you have people who are, you know, uh, you know, just trying something new and, and it, it is very, um, it's, it attracts a lot of different types of people. And I suspect um, I've talked to a lot of people who are in the process of getting their license, who have got their license. And it, it's also a lot of people who go, well, I used a realtor for buying or selling something. And I was like, oh, I could do that because, um, you know, th there is this, you know, there isn't a, a sort of in Illinois, we have what are called minimum standards of, of, of sort of, um, you know, minimum standard practices, but uh, they're pretty low. It's a pretty low bar to hurdle. And so for those that are willing to go that extra mile or to realize that, yeah, there, there is there is competition here. And, and all you have to do, it's not that it's easy. Of course, nothing in life is easy that's worthwhile. But this idea that if I just work a little harder and a little smarter and I'm, you know, I, I, I'm going to be a client's choice um, and understanding that that is absolutely possible. And, and you know, that competitive nature, I'm sure, is uh, really keeps you driven. But it's exciting to hear that that the idea that 90 percent of people fail, like excited you because you were like, well, I, I, I you know, you're not afraid of failure. Failure is like 
just part of the deal, but you're like, I'm just going to keep getting up and keep going. Um, but how was that first year? Was it difficult to find clients and, and, and how did you get your name out there? First, I mean, forget the first year, just those first few days, hours, weeks, you know, of coming to terms with myself of, I just gave up salary and benefits and uh, like getting through that, that doubt wall, that fear filled scrutinizing doubt wall, right. That we all have. And that is inevitable if you ever really go for it, you know, and yeah. anyone that's ever really gone for it, especially on any type of entrepreneurship knows that wall. Well, and if you don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe you missed it or you blazed past it or you haven't really gone for it because it's hard to not see that. And that was tough. Those first few hours, I was just like, Oh my God, I can't believe I did this. And I remember I went home that afternoon after I punched out and submitted my resignation and one of my windows had actually opened up my apartment and blown open. And it was like feet of snow, feet of snow in my apartment, like all over the place. Oh no. I remember my concierge calling me like, Hey man, I think there's a draft in your, your, your place. And I'm going in there and I was like, Oh, that's why. So it was a very funny little yeah. paradox maybe uh you know or foreshadowing and i was like is this an omen of some kind what's going on here right <laughs> but um no it just it was grunt work it was conviction it was just you got to get those reps in you got to just keep going back to it keep going back to it keep going back to it and just believe in the purpose you know remembering where i came from why i left why i you know how i felt the way i did when i was there and, and what it was that I was after and knowing that it wasn't going to happen in a day and that I was going to have to work and struggle and fail and fail and fail and fail until I found it. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh boy, I could, that was so well said. And you talked about that sort of pit in your stomach. I was reading, um, I can't remember who said this and I wish I could, but it was some entrepreneur who's, who's had a bunch of successful startups and, and um, said, if you don't have a pit in your stomach, when you're starting something, your goal's probably not big enough that you're shooting for. And that pit in your stomach, if you don't want to throw up a, at least a little bit of the time when you're trying to figure out whether to go for it or while you're going for it, then you're probably not doing it right. So uh, basically he was saying, become friends with that feeling because that feeling is totally normal. It's totally okay. And you can still persevere despite that that feeling. I think that feeling gets a lot of people, though. I think it, it stops a lot of people. It's like they don't realize, like, it's like being in the gym. It's no fun to do a rep that goes to failure. And I just came from the gym, so I'm thinking about that. And it is no fun for me to, to do any exercise that I have to um, sweat or, or you, know, the, you know, I went down for my last deadlift today. And I was like, oh, I can't get back up on this last one, which a deadlift is a very short, ex small exercise range of motion is so tiny. It's not that it's, it's, you know, it's like not as challenging as like a full squat as far as amount of energy it takes, but I couldn't do it. And I just didn't want to do it. And I said, well, I just got to do it anyway. And, and by doing the work, as you said, you know, putting in the reps, um, you know, eventually if you're doing it the right way, you end up getting there. Um, and most people, I think they just give up because the reps are maybe they're boring or they're hard or. They just can't find the discipline to do it. But um, you obviously have been trained. Uh, I imagine in, in the military, um, discipline is, is everything uh, and, and process, right? So can you talk a little bit about sort of how you pushed through, um, you know, when you got started having, you know, maybe, oh my gosh, now I have snow in my place and, and maybe I just quit this amazing corporate gig uh, with, with a huge brand. Um, and, you know, how did you get yourself those, that first year or two to keep going? Because you, I'm imagining you could have easily trend, you know, transitioned back into, into that sort of corporate world, uh, with your background, but what, um, what, what kept you going, uh, you know, in, in those, those early days? Honestly, it was the people, um, the customers, you know, like I worked with great team at Cooper and Cooper from top to bottom from Jeremy and Jordan, the co-founding brothers to everyone on the management staff, to the rest of my peers and colleagues. I mean, they're a boutique firm of very handpicked and polished and selected people. So it's very familial, very, uh, cohesive, small unit leadership. Again, a lot of things that I remember from the Marine Corps. So I was really well surrounded and insulated with positivity and encouragement. And that was critical. Um, they never made me feel like I was, not going to do it. It was always motivating and you can do this, you can do this and just helping and assisting with, with whatnot. But it was the customers. It was my interaction with customers and feeling 
their needs and doing my best to fulfill their needs. And that satisfaction was what I realized I'd been missing previously. Yeah. You know, the, the days where I would walk to Central Park from, from the office at, at Ralph's and spend my lunch on a walk and literally cry. And I mean, uh, tears, like yeah. cry. You know, I try to keep sunglasses on so people can see me. But there were lunches where I would walk in the park and, and freaking cry, man. Because I was like, yeah. this cannot be it. This yeah. can't be it. I couldn't have come this far, stayed alive this long, not lost all my fingers and eyes and yeah. worse. You know, this can't be it. And yeah. so I remember those days of like, we're not crying anymore. You know, we're, we're here. We left that. And, and then the more I was working with my customers and, and hearing their stories, meeting their parents and feeling the reactions that, that took place from how relieved many of them were to work with someone who seemed to care and how much that meant to them, who, who seemed to listen. Right. Yeah. And how much that meant to people because clearly there'd been a big void of that. So that, that really hit me hard. And I was like, Oh man. So that was the first well that I kept going back to. And still, I mean, that's the well that I keep coming back to and why I still do it. It's, it's nice that you know that that feeds you because I, I don't know. Uh, oftentimes when, when, when I have guests on the show, they will talk about the sort of personal interaction. And, and, but I don't know that anyone said it quite, uh, quite as elegantly as, as you just did. And I think that's really important because you were talking about having this corporate job where you worked for this amazing company and, uh, and you know, ha had this incredible sort of job. And, 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 but, you know, you didn't have the direct interaction with the consumer. I'm, I'm guessing, right? You were you were working on the corporate side, um, and you know, you didn't get to talk uh, directly to the you know the people needing that particular product, um, or at least that wasn't your day to day job. And so, this idea of oh, that's the part that feeds me. I like going direct to the consumer and saying, I want to help you, you know, one on one, or um, I want you know this most basic need, uh, you know, a, a shelter. I, I need to live somewhere, and then you can make that happen for somebody. And I just went through it myself, um, buying the the place I'm sitting in, in now, like last year or so. And I've been through that process before. Um, and even though I had been through it before, and I'm in this industry, and we have 800 realtors at, at the company I work at, um, I'm not a practicing realtor, but I'm, a, I'm among realtors uh, all the time. In fact, I have a license. Um, so I really should be used to this whole thing. And I wasn't. And it was emotional. It was scary. It was in the middle of the pandemic. So I was like, am I making a horrible buying decision? Um, you know, is everyone leaving the city? I, I didn't know. And, and I needed... I, I, my boss was my realtor, even though I could have technically done it myself, but he was a nice guy and said, I'll help you manage your emotions through this. And, and that's really a cool thing that realtors get to do. Um, they get to help people manage the, this stressful experience of even just finding another apartment, much less buying a place. And in New York, finding an apartment is just as stressful sometimes. Um, and certainly as competitive, uh, and <laughs> my sister and I, I'll tell you just a, a funny story. My sister and I back in 2004, five, we both bought a place for approximately the same amount of money. Hers was in the West Village on Barrow. Um, amazing location. It's just like one of the best areas to live, I think. Great location, great location. Great location. <laughs> and uh, it's like everywhere I turned, I saw like, I'm like, I think that's a professional model, whether it was a male or female, like everybody looked like a model. Uh, <laughs> Barrow Street House, good spot. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, uh, yep. And, uh, and then I bought a, a place here in the city in Chicago. And then I think four year, five years later, Dana, uh, my sister sold her place because she was dating a guy who lived in Queens and shows she was moving out to Forest Hills. But anyway, um, so she sold her place for in an, and it was a, uh, you'll appreciate this, a five story walk up, uh, no elevator, um, or maybe there was, but maybe just like a service elevator, but certainly you couldn't use it to go up 500 square feet, one bedroom, um, which is amazing and no air conditioning and all that stuff. And it, and she sold her place. I think it appreciated $200,000, like just an insane number. Mine depreciated by that time, but, but that's how crazy New York she is. She purchased in 2005. I think so. 2005 sold, sold it and went, sold it and went. Um, I I'd have to ask her maybe five years later, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. Oh, then it so. appreciated, uh, you know, over 40% because from 2000, yeah. rough, roughly 2002, just post 9-11 to like 2018, the yeah. median appreciation for condos in Manhattan alone was 167% over that amount of time. So using that math and you scale it back, you know, for the 
the years, I would say it's at least 40% appreciation. Per month. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, that's about what she got. And what was interesting about that is that's great. And if you cash that out, it's a nice win. Uh, however, it, it, she priced herself out of her neighborhood, right? She now no longer could, could afford to live in the neighborhood and she wasn't going to anyway, she was moving to Queens. But the point was that that's how crazy New York real estate is. Of course, that's a simple example. You have a million of, of those stories. So it is very difficult to, as an agent, to really be able to meet a client's needs strictly because there's a limited amount of inventory, of course, uh, so much competition, and it's just so incredibly expensive. So I, I applaud you because you really are um, not, not that it's necessarily any easier in a rural community. Those have their own challenges too. Uh, but certainly um, New York is known for, for just, uh, you know, chewing up and spitting out realtors and the fact that, uh, that you saw it as a challenge, but a challenge to meet a really important need for you, which is I want to connect with people and I want to help them. Um, you talked about giving. Uh, giving to me, um, it seems to be the, the most, discipline and giving seem to be the two most common uh, attributes people on the show talk about is being a giver and then just cranking through it. Um, so I'm curious, you've seen a lot of people I'm sure come and go in the industry as well. Uh, do you have any advice for people that are, are struggling right now that, um, you know, they're realtors, they're trying to get to that next level. Of course, we're still in the middle of a terrible pandemic. Um, it's still tricky. It's still tough out there. A lot of competition rates are low, so people can afford more than they could before. So there, there's, there's just a lot going on. Um, what would you, what would you say to somebody who's like, oh my gosh, this is so hard right now. In a sentence, it's never the market's fault. It's never, don't, don't blame the market. Or if that's your, if that's your reason, it can't be right. You know, good, good economy, bad economy, pandemic, non-demic doesn't matter. There, there is always, there's always opportunity. There's always a deal to be had. There's always a deal to be made. Maybe it's not where you want. Maybe it's not, you know, maybe you're a buyer, a buy heavy broker. Maybe it's on the sell side. You don't like selling. Well, maybe that's where it is. Maybe you're, Buying and selling isn't working out too much, but you've got rental clients, but you don't like rentals. Well, maybe that's where it is. You know, maybe it's yeah. in a different borough. It's a different part of town. It's about being, you know, maybe it's in those places you don't want to be in. You don't like being at, you know, people that only want to look at night, people that only want to look early in the morning, people that only want to look on the weekends, holidays, afternoons. There's so much opportunity around if you can have a macro, I believe, perspective of, yeah. of all of it, as opposed to where I specifically am trying to find for me, because maybe it's the most convenient there. I've found the lowest hanging fruit and don't get me wrong. It's great when that works out like that, but if you depend on that and you grow to learn that that's how it happens, like when you get that taken away from me, there's, there's an, uh, a joke about handstands, doing handstands and learning handstands. And you may have heard this talking about the gym. If you learn to do a handstand on the wall, you'll never get off the wall. <laughs> That's a good point. And I'd say to remember that metaphor. Yeah, I uh, I have yet to uh, to to get. You know, it's funny. Um, even doing uh, doing pull ups, I can relate to that because I we use a band uh, to help sort of you know because you know there's just so difficult to do a pull up as you know, um, but. But now when I do try to do one or two pull-ups without the band, you're right there. It's, it's very, it basically, uh, it's better if, if I really, if I don't have the band uh, to some degree, because then I learn that, you know, I don't have a helper here and I can just power through and eventually I'll be able to do that pull-up. Um, but, but you're, you're, you're so right about the, you know, it's the same argument. I, I get, a, I get these calls. I, I do recruiting for our, our real estate company. And so I'm talking to realtors and I don't hear it as much anymore, but when I started 11 years ago, there was a lot of like, well, what kind of leads can you give me? And that's really what, what you're talking about is, you know, being, unfortunately, a lot of realtors probably think that's, that's the solution. And, and of course that's wonderful. If you can find a firm that can fire leads over to you, um, wonderful, good for you. But what happens when that, those lead sources dry up or, or when the firm decides we don't want to spend that kind of money anymore on that. Um, you're right. Uh, and, and also the fact that, you know, you're, you're, you're a hustler in, in, in the most 
you know, a sort of um, complimentary way I can say hustler in a good way. Um, somebody who doesn't give up, somebody that understands, hey, I can just pivot. And, and rentals are something that a lot of realtors ignore. And now in New York City, probably not as much because they're so prevalent, but a lot of realtors, even here in Chicago are like, oh, I don't want to do those. And I'm like, well, where do you think buyers come from? <laughs> like they come from people who used to rent unless they're super lucky and they just, you know, have a, you know, a trust fund where they can put a down payment down when they're 18. Most people don't do that. So this idea of doing rentals, you know, I love that idea. And I'm curious, have, have you found a lot of clients that have transitioned? New York's a whole different animal because the, the barrier to purchase is so high. But um, I imagine that happens, right? That transition from I'm renting now and I want to buy in the future. So funny, you know, these last few years, basically since the end of 2019, uh, definitely 2020. So everybody that was benefiting on the, the COVID deals, you know, whether it's on the renting side or on the buying side, because Throughout 2020, there was massive inventory. Normally, New York City sits around, you know, healthy market, 6,000 to 6,600 available apartments. That number got up to almost 10,000 or just over 10,000, I forget, by the close of the third quarter last year. Wow. So huge bubble in an already very large market space, right? Yeah. But the demand, the normal amount of demand, which is always 98, 102%, wasn't there because of the exodus that yeah. had taken place. So there was this huge amount of inventory not a lot of demand. So of course, ceteris paribus, you know, prices fell, renting yeah. and buying. So everyone that could finally afford to live in New York, many people have been dreaming, could finally buy, could finally rent, et cetera. Well, now that all those renewals are coming up for renting, many of these clients are seeing 20, 30, 40, 50% increases on their rents because the rents wow. don't have to be fixed to the normal per annum inflation rates because the landlords can say, hey, we gave you a great deal. We did our yeah. part. Now we're only returning the rents to fair market prices. So you have to do your part and either pay the new price, which is the normal technical price, or you know, pack your bags. So because of that, there's a lot of opportunity for current renters seeing these enormous inflation amounts to become buyers. If you have liquidity, if you've got the means and liquid cash up front, to be able to put down and buy and then show money in reserves if need be for a co-op, you can actually become a buyer and be spending what you're spending currently or certainly not nearly what they're asking in the inflation amount. And you'll be owning equity instead of paying someone else to rent their asset of which maybe you can't even afford at the new price. So right. this is going to be a whole nother year of opportunity. The same way, you know, 2020 was very opportunistic for the newcomers to the city for for buyers getting great deals on the sell side. And then 20, uh, later on th throughout 2020, it became you know the shift. The demand went through the roof. The inventory went back down. Everything got swallowed back up by, by April. And now we're seeing just kind of the elastic response of, okay, I don't know what to do. And there's a lot of people that are stuck in the middle, but dare I say the same amount of surge we saw on the, the renting side for COVID deals, there's gonna be a lot of new buyers this year that are already happening. That's really, that is really exciting. And I just love the fact that you seem to, you see the opportunity versus the struggle, right? So the struggle's there, of course, um, this business uh, having to wear all the hats a realtor has to wear is of course a very daunting task. And I applaud everyone who, who does it professionally and that's their full-time gig because it is not easy, of course. But I love the fact that you, you're just a guy who pivots. And I don't mean to say you're just a guy who pivots, but you're a guy who pivots when you see something not working, you'll, you'll move to something else and you just look for the opportunity. And there's always, as you said, always opportunity, but you're absolutely right. You just painted a very rosy picture of this year. Uh, whereas I suspect if I asked other agents in your market who, who maybe aren't doing as well, they might have a different opinion, right? They might see things uh, in a more negative light sure. and they might sure. say, oh, well, gosh, I mean, you know, people are still freaked out. No one's coming back to the city or, or whatever the, the story they're telling themselves to keep the, their sort of idea of why things are so hard, um, in alignment. And, and I love the fact that you just gave us some really 
you know, exciting news. Um, and you also, by the way, we should talk about results because it's one thing to just have a rosy perspective on, on where things are headed, but you, you, you're, you're a results guy and you know, uh, that's, you know, being in the military, being in professional sports, of course, uh, it's all about results. Um, the discipline to, to get those results and you're closing a deal every four days, you know, whether it's a rental or a sale, that is an incredible feat for anybody in, in any market. Um, how do you manage all of that uh, that traffic, right? So there's just a lot of to-dos on your plate. Um, every couple of days, there's somebody closing. How do you keep that all organized? I'm, I'm just always interested in, in systems. So um, not that you need to get too, too granular with it, but, but tell us a little bit about how you, how you organize all that information. That's so funny, you know, between uh, your own, you know, client management system, um, I had my own simple Excel doc that I'd set up and had various formulas throughout to sort and uh, itemize and, you know, sum and configure some quant tips and, and count tips and, and other things for me to just to be able to see kind of a pattern of, of consistency and like prob really probability, right. Um, to where I could say on Wednesdays between three and 5 PM, I need to be in the West village because it's my highest probability of success based on where I've been, the deals I've done, what size I'm looking for. This is likely the profile of the buyer or the renter. He or she is going to probably be of this age. They're probably going to have this budget. And this is the ideal move-in date. And I had that dialed in based on everything that I put into this. And I had some friends help me out with the algorithm. But that's what I was drilling it as specifically as I possibly could that way to where, and it was every four days. I had it at one point, it was less than 48 hours, which is fun because I, when I watched those numbers creep up, I was like, no, you know, like I wanted to stay at, at one point it was less than 36 hours. So it was, uh, it was fun because it was a big, I kept it as a game. You know, it was, it was playful. Like I kept it exciting. I kept, it kept me interested. And at the same time, I was really doing what people wanted or what were asking of me. Right. So I was just running to the calls, running to the, to the screens, running to the fires. Right. And just saying, give me more, give me more, give me more, load me up. And for me, the more they came, the, the, the more they asked, the more it motivated me. So it was, it's again, really, I thank the consumers. I thank the people uh, who I've been able to serve because it's them that, that give me this drive. Like to me, it's reciprocal. You know, I, I play off of what I'm receiving and like you touched on with people seeing this and the negatives. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. I'm sure there's truth to a lot of the fear and the doubt and um, uncertainty and speculation. Maybe. I just, I don't subscribe to it. You know, I stay with the surety the what I know and what I can affect and influence right here from an arm's length away. All that might be true, but in the time that you've spent talking about that, thinking about that, scuttlebutting about it around the water fountain, you know, it's not going to pee down at the bar because you're fearful, whatever. That less than four days clock has been running the whole time. So in your time of doing that, I've been on the meter doing otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. You've been getting your reps set. Um, and, and I, and I love that because at the end of the day, you know, the, the 24 hour news cycle is available to all of us and we can entertain ourselves and keep ourselves busy with things that, uh, will satiate us, uh, in, in a sense and entertain us. Um, but someone out, someone out there is practicing, uh, while, while we're absorbing, um, and, and of course, everyone should study their markets and, and do the, you know, do that kind of work and, and read the news about, you know, what is important to them for, for their business. But, um, it is very easy to get caught up in, in what's happening, um, versus charting your own path. And, and you're somebody of course, who, who doesn't seem to, uh, uh, subscribe to, I'm going to let things happen to me. And, um, I would love to talk about social media and the role that's played for you because you have a, an impressive social media following, which is, is, um, you know, not as easy, I think, and not to make this a gender conversation, because of course we're two guys and we could talk about guy stuff, but <laughs> it seems that guys have a harder time building a social media following. Um, you've built up an impressive following at your social media, uh, your, your Instagram account, for example, has about 16,000 followers and you post a lot about your life on there. Um, and, uh, you know, you really sort of show uh, who you are. And I wanted to curious on how that has impacted your business? Um, you know, do you find that obviously you have a following, you have people that are interested in your life, but can you talk a little bit about how that started and, and how you decided to, what you decide to put on, on social media and, and how that helps your business? 
Yeah, I've, I've always been very uh, inclusive of other people and to what I'm doing. Like, I've always been a fan of sharing, you know, like, hey, man, I'm at this movie. Like, who wants to go to the movies? Hey, oh, my God, you guys have to come to this restaurant. Or, oh, my God, this this place was so cool. This is like, I always want to share it with someone so that, not that I'm pushing it on you, but like, if you can feel what I'm feeling, it's going to make you feel great. Or if, wow, if I could share this feeling with someone else, like, maybe the world would be a better place kind of thing. So for me, I've never wanted my work to dominate what I broadcast. I want it to be about my, the experiences that I, that I have and trying to share those, the places that I've gone, the foods I've eaten, the things that I've seen, um, people I've interacted with, you know, like right now at this uh, little Mexican restaurant in Williamsburg, I'm, I'm the only one in here and conversing with uh, the hostess and the owner and my mother's from Mexico. They're both from Mexico here. And I immediately started speaking to them in Spanish and they both looked at me like, like most people usually do, like, why do you speak like this, you know, with this accent and everything? And this is a million dollar moment that no one's going to see, that no one's going to have, but that I've just bathed in and I'm just glowing from it. You know, that's how I feel. And so that's what I try to put out. Um, try not to get caught up in too much of the other stuff. You know, there's, there's enough negative in the world that I don't need to personally feel that I need to add on to that. Right? People are going to find that wherever they want. There's no shortage of it. So if I can give a little bit more smiles and cries to the world, that's it. It's a win for me. You know, my, my mission statement is for me to find an outlet in life that permits me to give everything I have of myself away. Real estate is my way of doing that. And whether it's a specific transaction or just the kind of nuance of the business. Yeah, because it is lifestyle oriented. It is about people and experiences. And that's, what I'm trying to pump out is, you know, if people like it, cool. Yeah. And I like that you're, you are willing to, to share and everyone's got different boundaries around what's, you know, comfortable for them and sharing on social. And, um, I like the fact that you, you know, like you have this incredible, um, tattoo, uh, sort of, uh, you know, I don't know if it's, if sleeves the right word, but one of your arms is just this really impressive full design. It is super cool. And, uh, and you show it and you're like, this is what I, this is, you know, you show yourself working out, you show yourself, uh, you know, playing sports and, and, just being active and it, even just at a cursory glance, as I'm looking through, through your, 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 uh, social feed, it is, you know, what, what really comes across is your character because I'm seeing a guy who's, who's in incredible physical shape, who, who really seems to, to be a giver, uh, as well. Um, but I'm seeing somebody who's disciplined and seems to have their, their life together as well, which is also like, why wouldn't you want to show that? Of course you would. So I imagine a lot of your clients, you know, probably even look up to you in, in a lot of ways for, for, you know, how, how fit you are and, and, and how positive you are, um, and just how professional, right. It's, it's this willingness of showing like yourself, uh, as you are. And you, you do that. So I, I really encourage everyone to look at, uh, subscribe to, to Jake's Instagram, which is again, life like Jake. Uh, but I love that. And, um, and, and you also have fun with it too. You do a lot of funny things too. So, um, on there, but, but, but I, I, you know, I suspect you, you have a lot of people follow you because you're willing to put yourself out there and say, here's who I am. This is me. And, uh, here's what I'm into. And, uh, it doesn't, it's not always real estate related. It's like, here's my, here's some stuff going on in my private life. And here's what I do when I'm not, you know, uh, closing deals. Um, and I think, yeah, I, think and, it really, I don't you know. always play to the crowds, man. Like I've learned, you know, like anybody, people love to see me with not a lot of clothes on by what the engagement statistics would show and my analytics show. And then, you know, I'll go and talk about something that is near and dear to me. Uh, whether it's a, you know, a play that I saw or just an article that I read or an experience and <laughs> no one cares, but I don't care either. You know, like yeah. I'm, I'm saying this cause this is how I honestly feel. This is how yeah. this thing made me feel. And like, here you go. But for sure, there's clearly a trend of what is, uh, preferred from the audience side it's which makes me laugh a lot yeah <laughs> well um talking a little bit about the the performance side of you with with your your background in theater um we're very lucky here in chicago we have so much great theater some people argue we might even have the best theater in the country i wouldn't i wouldn't want to start that argument because i don't know enough but we uh to, to to make that argument of course new york city is is uh yeah, theater's you know, is, fine is, pizza is a different story 
<laughs> pizza. Yeah, well, that's true. We don't have John's uh, <laughs> like we do here, but we do have Lou Malnati's and, and a few others, uh, you know, Chicago. Yeah, Chicago, New York have a, have a friendly rivalry there. But it is um, let's talk about about theater and performance, because uh, I've interviewed a number of successful realtors who they, they are authentic. And, and I'm in no way suggesting that that there's no there's not authenticity, but this idea of no, this is still a performance. It's an authentic performance, not not social media. But when I work with a client, I consider that a performance where I'm going to be presenting to them. I'm going to be you know also listening and, and doing a lot of interaction. But has your you know your your background on the stage has that helped you with the way you interact with the public because of course on stage you're directly communicating with every single one of those audience members that's funny uh because it's actually the reverse so i only recently acted for the very first time um this past year was my stage debut on broadway or off broadway wow and uh yeah, so it was really more of like all those reps with clients and interviews and just different professional places or um, sex that I've worked in, you know, between sure. being in the military or God, going to FIT. That was a great one. I talk about a learning experience, um, working in the oil field, you know, working in a bar, working for Ralph, like all those places were different you know, still being me in every sense, but really just observing and learning so much more about other people and, and the environments that I was in. So when the stage opportunity came, I was just like, oh, this is, we can do this, you know, um, humbly, of course, and excited. Sure. But at the same time, I was like, oh, this is, we're, we're, we've been practicing our whole life for this. Yeah. You know, this is just, just let it rip now, let them see it, you know? And so like, it was me. Yeah, that's, that's what it was like. It was more of just like, oh, we're, we're finally getting seen okay cool you know and so for me it was it was very much like a childhood uh uh excitement about it and, and, and sure. eyes wide open well it's nice to see at least here in chicago uh the steppenwolf and and the, the goodman are sort of our two most most famous uh, theaters here there's a lot of other ones of course but um i don't think we're back to in person yet for any of those uh which is a bummer but um i know the theaters are starting to open back up so if you do live in a community with some with some uh, some theater stuff, please support that. That is uh, definitely, so those definitely, those definitely. actors, directors, the stagehands, those those theater owners. Uh, that's that's been tough. Um, and um, you know, I, I I prefer to go to the theater over movies. Almost almost. I mean, be, be, I live in Chicago. We have a lot of great theater here. But uh, I love that you're trying that. And I I just assumed you had been doing it a long time. So I'm I'm. And you're probably you probably like scary things. You you enjoy, and I don't mean so scary that they would be dangerous, but just you like difficult tasks. That that's that's where you get a lot of satisfaction from. Uh, it's like, do I look at it as difficult, or I don't know if it, if it's the fact that it's tough that I that I look at it as an attraction, or that maybe it's not what everyone else would pick, and that I yeah. see something as unique, or that it's it's weird um and that it's not normal i don't know maybe that's more attractive to me that i'm like you know, it's more of the what if i don't as opposed to the what yeah if, right? yeah do i want to get to the end of my life and go oh i should have done that i should have tried uh you know whether or not you win a tony is is another thing uh, of course but but it's like oh i, I could have gone for that i could have tried that and then if, if it ends up not being the thing that you like to do oh well hey i tried it i i got to do it i was um we were talking about my dog who's, who's uh, has some heart issues at the moment and and the cardiologist uh, that i saw recently said something very similar um just a couple days ago uh in florida he said um he goes i want you to think about how you you know we have a certain amount of time left with this particular animal and i want you to get to the end of this animal's life and i don't want you to have any regrets about how you treated this animal so he said the, you're already doing all the medical work you're going above and beyond there but i want you to make sure that and this was such an unusual thing for a cardiologist to say although i suspect maybe it's not unusual but i wasn't unexpected unexpectedly hearing it where he said i want you to feel good at the end of as best you can at the end of her life um, and I was thinking, what a great metaphor for for all of us um, to to really think. At some point, we all, you know, uh, 
we all traverse off this mortal coil and, you know, to think what are some things that would really uh, be fun to try and maybe a little scary too. And I love the fact that you don't even think of it as scary. You're just like, well, that's just what I wanted to try. And so of course, why wouldn't I do it? Um, and I love that, that you, uh, that you have that attitude and it is clear to, uh, all of our listeners, I'm sure how that's translated into your success, but I know you're a busy guy and we have gone a full hour and this has been such an insightful conversation because I think for everyone listening, they got a real sense of how your beliefs and your attitude, which you have full control over, at least, you know, if you pay attention to them and you obviously do, but for everyone listening, if you pay attention to your beliefs and attitude, you can, you can make things mean anything you'd like. And you can look at go jumping on stage, which is most people's number one fear is, you know, public speaking and say, that sounds cool. That sounds fun. And if it doesn't work out, who cares? Um, it's going to be fun. I'm going to enjoy that. And you chose to look at things that way. You chose to look at leaving a, a, a probably safer path in, in the corporate world with, with, uh, Ralph Lauren and, and other, you know, other companies, um, and said, I, I want to try something else and that's going to be more fulfilling for me and I'll figure it out. I'll make it work. And you have, and, and not just made a living, but also made a huge splash in, in the New York real estate market with how successful you are. Um, and I imagine you're the kind of guy you could probably just drop you off in any industry. Uh, maybe you wouldn't be as fulfilled, but you'd be able to get it done because you just know about getting things done and, and, and moving forward. So I really, really applaud uh, the success you've had. And I know our audience really appreciate it. So on behalf of the audience, we want to say thank you for, for spending time with us inside a restaurant where I know you don't have time <laughs> to do this and you found time to do it. And um, really, really can't thank you enough. And on behalf of Jake and myself, we want to thank our listeners and our viewers uh, for continuing to, to get to listen to our show. The best way to help our show is to tell a friend. Think of one other real estate agent that could benefit from hearing this amazing interview with Jake and send them a link to our website um, if they're not a podcast podcast person. They can stream every episode we've done right from our website, keepingitrealpod.com, or just pull up a podcast app, hit the uh, search for keeping it real and hit that subscribe button. And also one last favor we're asking, uh, please leave us a review, whatever you're listening through, whether it's iTunes, Google play, Spotify, Pandora, whatever, uh, let us know what you think of the show. Um, good and bad. We'd love to know how to improve and also what you like. Um, that really helps us uh, continue to, to make the show better for everyone. So thank you uh, on behalf of the audience again, Jake, thank you so much. Everyone go I want everyone to, to list. Yeah. And by the way, if you live in New York City and you are looking for an agent, Jake is your guy. Um, best way to reach him currently, find him through Instagram, which is life. Uh, sorry, life. Life. I'm sorry, Jake. I just lost. Uh, my notes just went down. Life like Jake. Sorry, life like Jake. So Instagram, life like Jake. Also look in the show notes for this episode. You can we'll link directly to it, but you can contact him through there and he would be happy to talk real estate with you. So um, Jake, thank you so much for being on our show and we will see everyone on the next episode. Thanks, DJ.